Life Happens with Pinelo Modine. So I told you yesterday that my interest for a couple of uh, days to come is to have a closer look at how the continent is managing with COVID-19, just because I think that every time I switch on the TV or the radio, I hear a lot about what's happening in the U.S. and other parts of the world, but very little um, time and effort is given even by ourselves, and I put myself in that basket, to look at how our region has been affected as the continent by COVID-19. Sarah Kimani, who is an SABC East an African correspondent joins us now on the line and today I wanted to specifically focus on Kenya. Sarah, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and thank you for having me. Well, Sarah, let me, let me start with you. How how has it been? Because I know that often when people talk about frontline workers, we speak of, you know, uh, people who are in hospitals and so on. As a journalist, you are a frontline worker and I've seen you on the field. How has it been and how has COVID-19 affected your work? Well, uh, it has been different because uh, you don't just up now and go on assignment. Uh, you have to think about, uh, you know, uh, remembering to have your face mask on, uh, have you carried your sanitizer, exactly where are you going and what, uh, in terms of the statistics that are coming out of the country, uh, is the area, are there infections already, um, is it a crowded area? So all these things come to mind. Uh, it's not the same as when, uh, in January, for example, just up and go on assignment. But also, uh, in most of the areas that we are going, people are also fearing us, they, they're not very quite, because in Kenya, most of the people feel that this is a rich man's disease. So in, in most of the areas, if you go to a place that is a bit deprived, then people feel like you are indeed the one who's bringing the disease to them. So all these are issues that you have to, uh, to put into consideration when you're going on assignment. There's a lot happening in, in, in Kenya, as you said, Sarah, and it, I can actually concur with what you're saying, that when they see you, you almost represent an, an outsider coming into their community bringing this disease. But there are other concerns that I have around what's happening in Kenya. It's, it's the rainy season floods that have been happening there, mudslides that I, I've, I, I've really just been looking at thinking to myself, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to these people? Because there are also restrictions of movement. So ordinarily, people would have been able to move up ground, but it's not quite possible with the restrictions. How is Kenya managing with the difficulty of the weather issues that it has at the moment and COVID-19? That makes it even tougher for, for people because uh, in the areas where the flooding has happened, in some of those areas uh, like Homer Bay County, uh, we already have cases of COVID-19, confirmed uh, cases of COVID-19. And so uh, people there find it very difficult even to move uh, to seek shelter in schools or in churches uh, because the, the issues of social distancing come. And so all those now, are, you know, caution is thrown to the wind. People are thinking about their safety uh, in terms of uh, getting out of the marooned areas, uh, getting their children out of those marooned areas, and uh, getting their families into safety. Now, safety for them changes from presenting themselves uh, from uh, coronavirus and instead uh, being able to shelter themselves from the rain, from the floods, and just being safe for the night. How, how, how serious is the issue of uh, fake news, Sarah? Because that is where, you know, the news spreads like that in, in some communities. It's word of mouth, but if it's the wrong thing, then it's, it's quite detrimental. Yes, it is. Uh, but most of what uh, we have seen is actually on social media. 
uh, where people will probably share a picture uh, and say this is in a certain area, somebody being evacuated. Uh, there have been uh, people sharing, uh, you know, uh, treatments, uh, quote-unquote, uh, saying, you know, you can take lemon and hot water and garlic. But I think uh, I must give it to the Kenyan government. They have really tried uh, to counter fake news with a lot of advertisements, uh, PSAs, public service announcements in all languages, including same language. And so uh, a lot of that has been contained. But there are areas where people still do not know about this disease and um, they don't even believe that the government is telling the truth. Actually, here, the biggest issue is uh, uh, believing that the government is telling the truth, believing that the government is not uh, actually uh, giving the numbers so that they can get aid uh, from the World Bank, the World Health Organization. Those are some of the issues that have actually uh, government is trying to contain because people say uh, reports show that the government is quite corrupt and so any of the money that donors might give to us the fight against coronavirus uh, will be eaten. And so uh, some people feeling government might actually give higher numbers than what it is in case that will give them more money from the donors. What then does that mean for testing, Sarah? If if there is this distrust that is is going on between themselves and how government is representing them internationally and otherwise, are they reluctant to t- to test? What's their attitude towards testing? Yes, yes, indeed. They are in two of the areas uh, where uh, we've seen the, a spike in the numbers. Uh, one of them is. Uh, old town Mombasa in the coastal region, and another one is an informal settlement here in Nairobi called Kawangware, and another one called Isiliwa. There's a very big Somali community. Uh, all those areas, uh, the government has had to uh, first start with force, then uh, coercion, uh, then begging, just trying to get people to come out to test. In an area like Mombasa, people are saying, this is fake, this is not happening. Uh, we've seen the governor of Mombasa coming out, in, uh, in the first place, he was really forceful, saying you will all be tested. That did not work. Uh, he tried coercion. That did not work. Now he's actually begging and, uh, you know, moving from door to door, asking people, please come and get tested because uh, the disease is getting out of hand in those areas. Some people feeling that they are being targeted wrongly. For example, in Italy, we have spoken about where the Somali community is. Uh, once again, they feel that the government may actually be targeting them uh, by their ethnicity or because uh, there is a big uh, urban refugee community there. Some of them feeling that uh, health workers and the police will again take advantage of this situation to start asking them for bribes. So unless the government can actually uh, go through all those hoops testing in those areas has been a problem, especially uh, where the government has actually locked down. The government has locked down the old town of Mombasa. There's also locked down uh, Isili, but the number of people coming out for the test is negligible. Uh, government also sometimes saying, uh, you know, we are going to have more than 16 testing centers set up. People wait for those centers to be set up. They're not set up. Mm-hmm. Then people are going to ask the government, are you really telling the truth? So the government has found itself sometimes speaking from both sides of the mouth, which has also uh, put its uh, credibility on the line. Then I'm I'm curious about then how they're policing this lockdown period. If there is already this mistrust that we are seeing and the difficulty of people who, you know, they haven't bought into the story to begin with, let alone uh, abiding by the regulations, how's government managing the policing of the regulations that they've put in place? Force. They're using a lot of force. The police, uh, there is a don't to dusk curfew, uh, and a lot of force has been used. People have lost their lives. 
are in the hands of the police as the police try to, you know, get people into the houses or to, you know, uh, ensure that the curfew actually is adhered to and people are respecting the curfew. Uh, by uh, last week, we were talking about at least 14 people having died in the hands of police. And so uh, the Amnesty International and human rights groups here in the country saying uh, that uh, people are actually now fearing more dying in the hands of the police rather than dying uh, out of coronavirus because uh, government having not been able uh, to, you know, convince people uh, the risks of, of this disease. And the reason why uh, there is a don't to dust curfew, but during the day you can actually go on, ab- go on about your business, uh, has made people not respect the curfew and not respect the police. And economically, how's the effect been? People have been hit hard. Businesses have been closed for a long, long time. Only now our restaurants are beginning to open. But uh, even then, uh, how, uh, the restaurant workers must uh, take a test, which costs about a thousand. That's uh, about uh, 100 rand per person. And this test must be repeated every two weeks. Um, main hotels in accommodation, that is still shut. Schools are closed. Uh, a lot of businesses have actually been hit. Uh, yesterday, the Minister for Tourism was speaking to one of the local media houses and he was saying up to 2.5 million people who are directly employed in the hospitality industry risk losing their jobs. There are more people in the informal sector who are waking up, opening their businesses and not seeing anybody uh, come to their shops. So things have really changed and this is going to have uh, quite a negative impact on the country's economy moving forward. Sarah Kimani, thank you so much for that. Uh, Really appreciate the time you've given us to talk us through what has been experienced in Kenya. That is really exactly the point here, to understand how the region is reacting to COVID-19. We, as I said, always focus everywhere else but internally, and I think this is such an eye-opener. Thank you very, very much. She's an SABC Eastern Africa correspondent, and she comes us live through us um, from Kenya and just giving us some insights as to how Kenya is coping, how the population is coping and and all the things that you know you take for granted um, and uh, that that report about the force being used are quite worrying for me um, but yeah we'll keep an eye on these stories and uh, we move to a next region uh, tomorrow and we'll try and keep as much uh, an eye on as possible on the continent with regards to COVID-19 two o'clock now let's go to Utsi Lesaku for the latest in SABC News